Good morning. So um, it's always weird coming in here because I assume things have been said, and then I'm like, I don't know, I wasn't here, so maybe it wasn't. Did they say did today's Palm Sunday? Good. Okay, so we covered that base. I figured we had, and then I'm like, I don't know. Like maybe everyone's gonna be looking at me like I got three heads the moment I say it's Palm Sunday. It's Palm Sunday today, um, and this is the beginning of Holy Week. Um, and there's been several different uh, exercises or experiences that we have hoped that you have been engaging in uh, as a people as we go through this season of Lent that kind of comes to conclusion uh, this week. For example. Uh, some of you have been doing the daily readings of the Psalms. We've wanted to try to have a practice of solitude, a practice where just you through the scriptures could be with Jesus. And I know for several of you, doing the Psalms and that devotion of doing it has been really important for you. I know others have re been reading a book by Tish Warren called Liturgy of the Ordinary. Uh, people have been doing that individually. Some people have been doing that in small groups. I know our small group has been engaging that a bit and it's been um, important. As... As you think about this week, one of the most, one of the last chapters that we read by Tish um, has spoken to me in a, a powerful way about how to approach this coming week, starting with today. And what she did is she talks about time. She talks about how in our culture where we're all busy and we're all plugged in, we're all, you know, I'm so busy all the time, I've got so much to do. She says that we are particularly guilty of taking time and thinking that time revolves around us. I gotta build my schedule, I gotta do all the things I wanna do, I gotta drive these carpools, I gotta go to work, I gotta go to school, I gotta get all this, and when's it all gonna be done? And we got it all mapped out, and it's color coordinated, and when the family's gonna be where, and how's it going, and da 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 da. And she says that one of the most important practices for Christians, for followers of Jesus, is to understand that time does not revolve around us, that time revolves around God. Usually, for people like us, it's only when we go through a crisis that we realize that's the truth. It's only in a crisis that we realize I'm not really in control. I just try to act like I am a lot of the time. But what she says is, is that we can actually celebrate the fact that is true every single day by going through the practice of thinking about time through God's eyes. And she specifically talks about the importance of, of the liturgical calendar, right? Which we don't talk about a ton here. But she says that the liturgical calendar is saying that, that God has a calendar and a rhythm to life that is different. It doesn't necessarily even compete with, with the, the September, October, November, and December calendar, but it is different. And as Christians, we have to understand that God marks time differently. And that starting today by God's calendar, we are moving into the most important week of the year. And she says that we have to understand that. And she says that one of the things that we can do when we think about time is that when we control time, she said, and man, man, this is so true of our culture today, is that we can control time just to do fun stuff, right? It's like, I'm gonna, and she kind of talks, we run from like celebration to celebration, right? Joy to joy to joy. As we think about this week, it's like I've got Palm Sunday and then kind of go through this week and I'll pick and choose the things I wanna do and then we'll have Easter and that'll be great and we got brunch and we're gonna have all these plans and we're gonna get together with people and that'll be great and then it'll be great after that. And it's like, we, we base our life around pleasure and around great things. And what she talks about is that when we do that, she says, you actually cheapen your experience of joy. If you just run from high to high, that what you're doing is you cheapen it each and every time, that it becomes a little less gratifying. And she talks about that the people that she's seen in her life who truly seem to celebrate and know joy are also people who are not afraid to walk through pain and to walk through pain with other people. 
And that when we do that, when moments of joy come along, we are able to celebrate. And so I want to encourage you guys that this week is a week that should be somewhat inconvenient to your life and to how you build your time. There's practices of the Psalms. It's a book that we can read. There's going to be daily worship services here. Maundy Thursday in the evening, Good Friday in the evening. These are not like the ones if you're searching for just the the next exciting thing, you know, don't come. If you want to see truth, come. If you want to get to the point where next Sunday is Easter, it's not just Easter and brunches and bright colors and Easter eggs and, and a good moment and yay, I've got hope again, as good as that is. If you want to kind of walk in here next Sunday going, is the tomb empty? Is hope real? Then you've got to journey through this week. Or it'll just be a kind of cool day with some neat music. And we're going to have really neat music. You miss it. You miss it. So this week I encourage you just to be deliberate about your time. And it starts today. Starts with Palm Sunday. The passage we're going to be reading today comes from Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 1. And this week, in each of our worship services every day, we're going to be following the Gospel of Mark, moving chronologically from this point to the cross and beyond. And this is where we'll begin. Mark 11, verse 1. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage in Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you. Immediately as you enter it, you will find there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing, untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said. They probably thought they were going to get punched by somebody, but they didn't. And the people allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt. That was actually in the Greek. If you go back, they thought they were going to get punched. Um, You got to, you got to. You gotta have a doctorate in this stuff to kind of pick up on those things. That's some of the, some of the knowledge I bring to the table here, folks, okay? <laughs> so now that we've totally interrupted the scripture passage, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it and many people spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, no matter who we are or how we walk in here, I pray that you would speak to us today of your gospel, of your truth, of your love. May it radiate in our hearts this day and as it carries us from this place. May your love for us be real. In Jesus' name, amen. So I need you to know, and I've said this before, Palm Sunday to me is one of like the weirdest Sundays of the year. It's a bizarre Sunday because It's supposed to be in the church calendar, in the liturgical calendar, one of the great celebrations of the whole year. But it's weird, right? It's weird that we celebrate because the things we do show that we're playing the part in this story of the crowd, right? 
we, we sing songs of Hosanna and some of those different services have been palm branches. Our kids have been singing in some of the other services and waving palm branches, this big celebration. Thank you, Mateo, of like the different, uh, David, of all the different uh, um, uh, palm branches and all the things you've got. We have all of these different things, a celebration, and it should make us stop on Palm Sunday and go, this is weird, right? And the reason it's weird because we play the part of the crowd here and the crowd totally misses what's going on. And we know this through the symbolism that takes place in this passage. And the symbolism of Palm Sunday is so important and critical for us to understand because the things that are going on all have meaning, okay? For example, Jesus doesn't just come into Jerusalem one day. He comes in as they celebrate the Passover. And the Passover was the holiest day of the year for the people of Israel. It was the day when they looked back and they remembered how they had been slaves in Egypt and God had sent Moses to deliver them from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh. It's where God remembered and claimed them as his people and delivered them out of oppression. So Jesus is coming at a time when the people are ready for something uh, for to, to be delivered again. Uh, they, they wave these, what Mark calls leafy branches. Now that sounds strange, right? It's like, I don't know, I'm excited, grab a leaf and do this. Well, it's not like that. The, the, palm, the, the branches, that we, the reason we call it Palm Sunday is in some of the other gospels, we see that these leaves were palm branches, okay? Now palm branches at the time signified national strength for the people of God. So this was a sign and a symbol, kind of like almost waving a flag, like we would think of it today, of, of, of national strength and pride, okay, for the nation of Israel. And then they sing, they shout, Hosanna, blessed is the one that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one who will restore, they say here, the kingdom of David. So not only are they invoking Moses, they're now invoking David, like the all-star lineup of the Old Testament. David was the king at like the, the apex, the height of the, the power of the nation of Israel at the time. And so what is really clear is that when we're celebrating today and when we talk about the crowd, that the crowd is totally missing the point. Because what the crowd wants is they want Jesus to come into Jerusalem and liberate them again. From who? From Rome. Now it's not about the oppression of Pharaoh in Egypt, it's the oppression of Caesar, who is dominating the world and dominating the nation of Judea at the time. And so what we have here is people who are saying, we are ready to be freed just as God has done before, and you're the one to do it, and this is the holiday to do it, and these are the signs that we have. We know what you're supposed to do. That's what Palm Sunday is about. That's the celebration. That's the Hosanna. And they completely miss it because while Jesus is the Messiah and the Savior, he is not there to overthrow a certain tyrant for a certain people at a certain point in history. Jesus has come to liberate all people from themselves. And that is not going to have the direct and immediate effect that the people want. And when Jesus doesn't come and begin a revolution that overthrows Caesar, the crowd is going to show back up again in a few days. And they're not going to be singing Hosanna anymore, but rather what they're doing is crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. That would be interesting. Instead of the kids waving in palm branches and singing on Sunday, we had them as part of the Good Friday service, screaming at the front, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. That's kind of what we're doing today. It's weird, right? It's weird because they completely miss what's going on. It feels like today should be one of the most somber Sundays of the year. One of the saddest because we know what's coming and we know that we're a part of it. So why do we celebrate? 
Why isn't it all like sad and quiet and, and, and everything? Why, why, why are we singing praise songs? Why are we singing it is well with my soul? Why? why? I want us to spend a minute today going, why is today a day of celebration? And to understand it, I want us to just take a, a couple of seconds to think about the nature of how you and I think about celebrations generally. Why it is we celebrate, okay? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about in your mind right now some celebrations that are upcoming that we're going to be having. Like, even if you just think about our calendar, like in the next few months, what are some things we're going to be celebrating? Well, I, I kind of made a list in my head. Some things that are coming up. Uh, calendar year. We're going to be celebrating graduation soon. We're moving into graduation season. Some people from our preschool here that meets upstairs here at Covenant, maybe uh, graduation from elementary school, graduation from middle school, graduation from high school, graduation from uh, college, maybe you're someone you know is getting a doctorate degree. That's a cause for celebration, right? Now, this is what I want you to pay attention to. Why? Why is it a cause for celebration? We celebrate because someone's earned it, or they've at least done enough to get the diploma right? They've at least crossed a certain threshold to get a diploma, right? And what we do is we say, that is worthy of celebrating. Why? Because you have done something good that deserves it. How about in our nation? Does this mindset still work? What's coming up? Memorial Day. Well, Memorial Day weekend, we're reminded of the fact that there have been people who have given their lives in service so that you and I can even today gather here in freedom. And if any of you have seen What's taking place in Egypt this morning at a Palm Sunday celebration there of a bombing and of killing of people? We should never take for granted the idea that we can gather here. Why do we have that, cel uh, that celebration, that holiday, that time when we stop? It's because we say that people have given something that is worth remembering. They have done something that deserves our memory and our celebration. Take the next holiday, July 4th. Can you tell I'm ready for summer? Like July 4th is coming, right? School's getting out soon, right? Just, it's like a mantra. Just keep repeating it. It's coming soon. It's coming soon, right? July 4th. Why do we have that as a celebration? Why is it a national holiday? Well, we think that, that in 1776, the idea of throwing off a, a ruler, of being an independent country, and of having some words that we gathered around saying that, 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 that all people are created equal, that that was an idea that has changed the world and is worth celebrating. So we stop and we celebrate it in that way. There is a mindset, and this is my point, there's a mindset to why we celebrate. We celebrate because it's been deserved or earned. Graduation, Memorial Day, July 4th. Think about what you will. We celebrate for that reason. And by that logic, Palm Sunday should not be celebrated. There's a logic if we put this in spiritual words, okay? If we kind of put this in spiritual terms, this idea of like you celebrate good happens, or you, you mourn if something bad happens, and this idea you kind of get what you deserve, the spiritual word for that is karma. Now, karma is a word that probably not many of you were expecting to hear when we walked into church today, right? But that's the mindset that is actually much more alive in us and in our culture than we probably consider. If we're going to talk about a word, we're going to define it. This is how the dictionary defines karma. Actions seen as bringing upon oneself inevitable results, good or bad, either in this life or in a reincarnation. So what that means is, is you get what you deserve, right? If you do something good, according to the, the, the logic of karma, it means that something good will be rewarded in your life, that you will experience that in this life or in a reincarnated life. Or if something bad happens, that it means that, that you're going to receive a punishment in that. That mindset is even found in the Bible right? You're going to reap what you sow. That is, I'm not saying that's karma, but it's the mindset of it, right? It's the mindset of karma that, that you will get what you deserve. What you put into it is what comes out. 
This is how celebrations work. We celebrate because someone or someones have done something that deserves it. Does that make sense? It's really important that we see this today. Someone or someone has done something to deserve it. I'm from Georgia. Wick Alexander knows. Big day in Georgia today because we're gonna be crowning a master's champion, right? Green jacket, taking place this afternoon. Really big deal. Um, the master's champion gets a green jacket. They give one of those, well, yeah, they give one out to the champion. They don't give it to whoever comes in 83rd place. This is not like a participatory trophy, everybody's gotta feel included kind of thing, right? There's one green jacket that goes out. It goes out to, to who? To the person who's earned it. We have a celebration, why? For the person who comes in 83rd? No, we celebrate the person who wins. This mindset is all over our lives and it's how we operate. It's not even necessarily bad all the time. So why do we celebrate today? Because according to the logic of karma, this should be a day where like, oh, I just feel like, let's just get through it. Well, the reason is this. Today is the last Sunday of Lent. And that is worth thinking about. Because we live in a world, and we live in a culture that is consumed with its own self-righteousness. I will believe my morality. I will believe what I want. I will choose the parts of the Bible I think are relevant to my life. I will ignore the parts that don't. I will be in charge of what's right for me. I will be in charge of what's right. And no one can tell me what my right is or what my truth even is. I'm in charge. We are consumed with our own sense of worth. And it's important more and more and more that this season of Lent sits with us because what Lent says to us today is a truth. And it's a truth, friends, that you and I need to hear every single day of our life. And the truth is, is that we are not super important, super powerful, super wonderful, super wise, super insightful people so much as we are a broken people. That is our state of being. That is who we are. And Lynn is the time we do that. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean we're just all awful all the time? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means we're broken, like this. What it means to be broken is to say that we are capable of great beauty and great horror all at the same time. Human beings can be amazing, generous, kind, loving people, and in the next breath, they become awful. And let's not just say like human beings are like that. I am like that. It, I don't know if any of you have this experience. The experience where you sit there and in one minute go, oh, that was kind of cool. I actually think I was like a kind, sort of mature person. And like nine seconds later, I'm amazingly selfish. Does that, am I the only one that that happens to? And it's like with the same people, right? Like you're talking to someone and they say something like, oh, I was really kind and forgiving. And then they say one other thing and you're just like nasty to the same person. And you're like, how did that, just, how did that come out of me? That's what it means to be broken. There is a, that we are capable of beauty and of great pain. Beauty and great destruction that we can cause. Lent is a time when hopefully we felt a little uncomfortable. Right? Even this journey of disordered love we talked about. We talked about how we can play the part of God, how we hide from each other behind social media and everything else. You know, best vacation ever. We have, we have, uh, we hide from God. We uh, blame other people for things. We're experts at this. We talked about the inability to accept responsibility, right? We see in our national politics, we see our politicians do it, but we do it in our marriages and our friendships all the time where something's wrong and we go, yeah, this is dysfunctional and it's wrong. It's because you're doing this. If you quit doing what you were doing, everything would work better. We are experts at going, I know who's to blame and it's not me. 
And it's not people who vote like me. And it's not people who think like me. It's people out there. It's those others. It's the other person in my friendship. It's the other person in my marriage. It's the other person who's causing all of this to go wrong. We do this, guys. And hopefully at some level in this, you've been like, oh, oh, I hear that. And that, is, that hits a little closer to home than I want, right? Or that describes me more like my spouse as I sometimes am than I'm comfortable with, right? Or oh, that's what my kids say about me or my parents say about me, and that actually seems accurate at a level I'm not comfortable with. Hopefully we've sat there because that place is truth. Hopefully this is a time when we felt that discomfort, where we realize that we are the crowd in so many ways, and then we sit in that, we get a glimpse of the uniqueness of a Palm Sunday celebration which is not about that we get what we deserve, but we get that the crowd didn't deserve Jesus, and he comes anyway. We get the idea that the crowd doesn't deserve the savior of love and grace who's coming, but he comes anyway. We get the idea that if karma was right, if any of you are less than perfect in this room, that you would not have a hope, that you would not have a a solution, that you would sit in that discomfort all the time, needing to hide your bad parts and and to just project your successes and your good parts. We would live in a world where we are hiding and projecting and and believing and, and, and all different kinds of things instead of in the truth of who we really are, realizing that God comes for us always anyway, not because we deserve it, but because he is so good. This is not a day where we celebrate ourselves. We see ourselves as we are behind our masks and our self-importance and our resumes and our accomplishments. We are seen for who we are and recognize that the pursuing love of Jesus never stops coming for us. One of my favorite quotes around this comes from Bono, lead singer of U2. I know they're going on tour soon. I know several of you have gotten tickets. In the season of Lent, it would be important for me to confess that I covet the tickets that you have, and I feel like you need to know that. I did see them on their last tour. Beth and I went to their concert in Atlanta. If you've not seen it before, it's going to be amazing. But an interview a few years ago around this, this is what he said in an interview. He said, the thing that keeps me on my knees is the difference between grace and karma. Karma, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, or in physics and physical laws, every action is met by an equal or opposite one. It is clear to me that karma is at the very heart of the universe. I'm absolutely sure of it. We just said that in terms of celebrations. It's about this idea, you celebrate what you deserve. It's karma. And yet along comes this idea called grace. To upend all that as you reap, so will you sow stuff. Grace defies reason and logic. Love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of your actions, which in my case is very good news indeed, because I've done a lot of stupid stuff. I'd be in big trouble if karma was going to finally be my judge. It doesn't excuse my mistakes, but I'm holding out for grace. I'm holding out for Jesus. Why do we celebrate today? Because the crowd doesn't get the God they deserve. And you and I, who are imperfect people, don't get the God we deserve. And that 
is the greatest news you will ever hear in your entire life because God comes for you anyway. Hallelujah and amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we do pray this day that you see us just as we are and your love pursues us all. May our hearts feel our value that goes beyond deserving it. May our hearts feel the value of just knowing that you declare us valuable and worthy. May our hearts be freed to celebrate your love this day and always. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.